All right. Appreciate you guys spending some time looking at these questions and discussing them at your tables. Um, we want to we get moving here with, with the study tonight, and I think we have some just great, uh, just some great things from God's Word to look at together tonight. So thanks for being here, uh, guys. Appreciate you coming out. Um, I apologize I wasn't here earlier to eat with y'all. Um, I had a wedding rehearsal tonight, um, an outdoor wedding rehearsal. Realized how cold it is outside when you're outside standing there. I didn't know. And, uh, and so came right after that and just got here. But um, sorry I wasn't here to eat with you and sit at tables with you tonight. So I wasn't ignoring you or being like, I'm not showing up till it's time to teach. I couldn't be here until right now. So, uh, but thank you for joining us. I just want to tell you as we get started, I put some of these back on the tables back there. If you know a, a guy that would be great to invite to come to the study, um, that this is something that you feel like, man, they'd really be challenged uh, just from gathering with other men. Uh, meeting together, eating together, praying together, looking at the word together. Grab a couple of these before you leave and, and pass those out to somebody that you know uh, would benefit from being part of this study. They don't have to be a part of Maranatha Bible Church, as many of you know, because you're not a part of this church necessarily, to be able to come and fellowship together as men and to study God's word together. So take a couple of those and pass those out. That's why they're there. I'd encourage them to meet with us uh, on Tuesdays as we meet through uh, throughout the month of November, or even into the month of November. So... Um, so question tonight uh, to discuss was, what comes to your mind when you hear the phrase, be ready? Someone want to share with me, what, what comes to your mind when you hear that phrase or that statement, be ready? Yeah, Bob. Okay, preparation, right? Be prepared. So a lot of times when we hear someone say, hey, you better be ready, we have preparation comes to our mind of being adequately prepared for something. What else comes to your mind when you hear be ready? Yeah. Okay, watch out. So you're, you're bracing yourself or you're prepared for what may be coming. Um, you know, a lot of times if you're, uh, if you ever rode a roller coaster before, uh, we went uh, to an amusement park with our kids and there was a roller coaster. And before we went on the roller coaster, which wasn't like a big one, one of my daughters was a little bit weary. And so when we're standing there, we're like, hey, watch what the roller coaster does. Notice where the hills are. Notice what's coming up so that you're fully aware and prepared for what's about to come. And so we tried to, and she was able to do it, was fine, because she knew what to expect, and she was watchful, and she knew what was coming, right? So that comes to our mind sometimes. What else comes to our mind when you think about being ready? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully the passage of Scripture, right, be always ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you, right? Uh, you've heard that statement or that verse before. Uh, if you've been a part of our church here for any amount of time or even the men's study, you've heard that. Be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. When we think about readiness, we think about preparation, we think about a vigilance, we think about being watchful uh, for opportunity or for what may be coming. A second question, we're not going to work through all these now together, but the second question was how ready are you to respond when opportunity presents itself to better yourself or your family. Um, I don't need you to answer that out loud, man. The point of this is all of us, uh, I shouldn't say all of us, I would say most of us that if we have families, if we're married or we have people that we care about in our lives, we're cognizant, aware of, watchful when there's opportunities for the benefit, health, well-being of our family, when there's opportunities for advancement at our jobs, when there's opportunity for doing something better that's going to benefit ourselves or others that we care for and love, uh, we're pretty watchful about those opportunities. And when those opportunities come, we take them. Uh, and those opportunities come, we're, we're prepared for that and, and we're ready to go when those opportunities come. 
but the question really that I want us to consider tonight is number three, how ready are you personally to respond when opportunity presents itself to serve the Lord? And that's a, that's a pretty serious question to consider tonight because with that question of how ready are you when the opportunity presents itself to serve the Lord, what falls into that category of to serve the Lord can be to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone who is lost. It can be to speak up about your relationship with Jesus Christ in the face of persecution and opposition. It could be opportunities to serve and to do good when you know to serve and to do good. It could be opportunities to stand up and stand firm in the midst of a collapsing culture that is doing all the things that are opposing the standard and viewpoints that God has given. It could mean how you serve your family in the Lord, how you serve your wife in the Lord. It could be how you serve one another as believers in the Lord. There are so many ways that we can take. Are we ready to respond when opportunity presents itself to serve the Lord? And, and that fourth question of what hinders our readiness to serve, and, and the fifth, how can, what can serve as a catalyst for our readiness, that's, that's really what I want to look at tonight as we go, jump into Daniel chapter 2. And so uh, if you have a copy of God's Word with you, turn to Daniel, chap- Daniel chapter 2. If you don't, uh, I encourage you to bring a Bible with you on Thursday or your Bible app if you have your phone. Uh, it's very important that we have a copy of God's Word that we can follow along and read. If you do not have a Bible, a physical Bible, and you would like one, please let me know that, and I will get you one so that you have one, okay? So if you don't have one, let me know before you leave tonight, and I will make sure you have one, okay? Uh, But you can also um, get it on your phones if you have smartphones, but make sure you have that in front of you. But Daniel chapter 2 is where I want to be at tonight in our study. If you've been here the first two weeks, uh, hopefully you've already been really challenged by what we've read in Daniel chapter 1. To this point, Daniel and his friends are in exile in Babylon. Babylon uh, is just a corrupt, evil, uh, really idolatrous, godless society. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar is, is puffed up, vain, arrogant, proud. King Nebuchadnezzar is opposing God and, and all the standards that God would give. And here Daniel and his friends are in exile. And they are going to be really put into a position by God, not only to have extreme influence in the midst of a culture that is just collapsing morally and before God, but also have an opportunity to stand firm in their belief, faith, and confidence in the God that they serve. And so we pick up in Daniel chapter 2 with Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so just listen as I read this. I'm going to read the entirety of Daniel chapter 2 tonight, and I I just want us to, to really think through this, I'm sorry, just verses 1 through 16. We're going to cover the entirety of Daniel chapter 2, but not all tonight. But let me just read verses 1 through 16. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show you the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins. But... If you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. 
Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Let's stop right there. Uh, someone explain to me, what is the king asking these individuals to do right now? Someone tell me. Summarize. What's he asking them to do? <coughs> yes. He's asking them not just to interpret a dream, but he's asking them to even tell them what the dream is first. Okay? So, so understand this. It's the equivalent if someone came to you and said, hey, I'm really struggling with a problem and I'm hoping you can give me some solutions to it. Have you ever had someone do that? Where someone comes to you and like, hey, do you have a minute? Can we talk? Can we set up a time to meet? I have a, a, a something I'm really struggling with and I'm really seeking some counsel. Could you help me out? And you're like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's meet. And so you sit down with the person. Maybe you're grabbing breakfast or coffee and you sit down and you're with them. And you're like, all right, so what's up? What can I do for you? And you're like, well, I'm having some problems. I need some help, but I'm not going to tell you what the problem is. I just want you to give me solutions, okay? That's what's going on here, okay? If you didn't catch it when you were listening to it, because I know sometimes when we're reading a passage, it's easy to wonder a little bit, and your mind wonders, this is what's happening. The king, and this is a ruthless king. I mean, the king is calling all of the magicians and all of the astrologers, and he's calling all of these people to him that are supposed to be interpreters of dreams, and he's saying, guys, listen, I got a dream. I need to know the interpretation of it. And they're like, yeah, king, no problem. Tell us what the dream is, and we'll tell you the interpretation. The king says, no, no. I want you to tell me what the dream is first and then the interpretation, and I'm not telling you nothing. And by the way, if you can't do it, you're going to be torn limb from limb. <laughs> you're going to be utterly destroyed. Okay, that's what's going on here. Okay? Now, if it's you or me and we're in a situation that we're like, yeah, I got nothing for you, right? Now, I might be trying to like guess, or like, well, King, there were these cows. Like, I might try to concoct something, but this is what they're up against. They don't know what the dream is. Nor do they know the interpretation of it, and the king is giving them nothing. Okay, pick up verse 7. They answered a second time and said, well, let's, let's jump back for a second. Let me explain something else. The king also is calling all of these people together, and he's already calling them with this mindset that they're going to try to dupe him or trick him. Okay, and I'm going to show you why in a second. But he's calling these guys already skeptical that anybody is really going to be able to offer him any help. And you're going to see that in just a minute. Okay, so the king's telling him this. If you don't make me know, known to me the dream, you're going to be torn limb to limb. But if you show the dream, verse 6, and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream. Okay, this seems like common sense. Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show its interpretation. They answered as any of us would. It's impossible. If you don't tell us what the dream is, how can you possibly tell us to interpret it for you? We need to know what the problem is before we can give you any kind of solution. The king answered, verse 8, and said, I know with certainty you are trying to gain time because you see that the word for me is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you, okay? This is what the king's like. He's doubling down. He's like, listen. You're wasting time. You're trying to buy time. You're trying to just create time for yourselves because you don't know what you're doing. And your time's coming to an end. My word is firm. He says, if you do not make the dream known to me, there's one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. Don't miss what the king said here. He's saying, listen, you guys have already in times past told me things to buy yourselves time until the seasons change and you had no idea what you were talking about 
You're not going to lie to me again. You're not going to trick me again. Now, I don't know what these guys did or what scenario played out before, but, but what it would lead me to believe is that there was a previous time or times that the king called these same men in and was like, hey, guys, I'm going to tell you a dream. Tell me what it means. And so he told them a dream, and they told him something, and it didn't actually happen the way they said it would. It proved to be false or proved to be lies. And he's caught on to this, and he says, listen, there's no more lies. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is. If you truly have this ability, this power, which would be supernatural, to interpret my dreams, then you should be able to have no problem telling me what the dream is to begin with. You see what he's doing here? I mean, he's, he's really putting up some, some guard posts here to make sure that what they're telling him is, is true and accurate. Um, what he's asking them to do is impossible. Okay, what he's asking these men to do, they knew they could not do. Okay, but look at what he says. Verse 10, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand, for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. The thing that the king asks is difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. You see what they said? In so many words, they're saying, King, you're, you're ridiculous. The request you're making is ridiculous. There's no king that has ever asked such a ridiculous ask of any man because there's not a man alive that can show this to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. No one can do this. Because of this, verse 12, the king was angry and very furious, commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. His overreaction here, right, is, okay, everybody's going to, you're all going to die. Like, that's his anger. Everybody's going to be destroyed. So the decree went out, and the wise men were about to be killed, and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Now, we're going to get into this tonight. But let me just share with you what's going on here as, as the conclusion of what the verses are. This decree goes out to the king that everybody's going to be destroyed. All the wise men are going to be killed, destroyed, including Daniel and his friends. Daniel gets wing of it, wind of it. He says, why so urgent? What's going on here? Why is the king acting this way? And they tell Daniel, Daniel, the king's request, he had a dream. He wants to know what it means. He needs someone to tell him, and he's not telling anybody what the dream was. And how's Daniel respond? He requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. I want to look at this tonight. As men who are seeking to stand firm in the midst of a collapsing culture, you and I, we need to be Ready. Be ready. Say that with me. Be ready. Let's do it one more time. Be ready. Men, we need to be ready. Now, and I'm talking about a ready as in if all of the circumstances are right and all of the setting is convenient and everything is lined up the way it needs to be lined up, be ready. Now, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being ready no matter what it may cost. Being ready no matter if others are ready or not. Being ready if we're alone or together with others, that we are ready. We are ready to stand firm 
in the midst of a collapsing culture. We are ready to serve and honor the Lord in the midst of a collapsing culture. We are ready to respond to the Lord in the midst of a collapsing culture. We must be ready. You know, I, I was talking to someone earlier and they were like, hey, it's, it's like one of those things where if your wife asks you, the person's married, it's like if, if your wife asks you to do something that you don't want to do, you know, your response is kind of a hesitancy. If I'm sitting on the couch and I'm watching something on TV that I want to watch and my wife's in the other room and she was like, hey, honey, can you blah, blah, blah. Not that my wife would say blah, blah, blah. That's not what I meant. If my wife says, hey, honey, can you go do this for me? And I'm sitting there, I may or may not hear. Right? I may or may not hear. Okay, selective hearing, yeah. Some of you write, listen, this tells me everything I need to know. I, I heard a bunch of you right away say selective hearing. Like you guys are like, yep, selective hearing. You know what that is. You know what it means when you're asked to do something that you're kind of like, eh, I don't really know if I want to do that. But you also know what it's like if you're always like, hey, honey, come here. And you're like, okay, right? Whatever that may be, okay? You're ready, okay? What I'm saying is that as believers in Christ, too often as men, as believers in Christ, our response to when the Lord is calling us to do something is, God, I have selective hearing, okay? And, and, and what I want you to be challenged and myself to be challenged with tonight is this. Is that true for you and me? Do you and I have convenient, selective hearing when it comes to the calling of God on our lives as men who seek to honor Christ in the midst of a collapsing culture? How is our hearing of the voice of the Lord in calling us to serve him, to make him known, and to stand firm in the midst of the culture we find ourselves living in. How ready are you? How ready am I to take heed to the voice of God, to God's calling in our lives? First point I want to make tonight that I feel is so clear from this passage in Daniel is that as men who follow Christ, we can do what others cannot do through the strength that God gives. As men who follow Christ, we can do what others cannot do through the strength that God gives. I don't want us to miss what all of these magicians, astrologers, the Chaldeans, what they said in verse 10. This is what they said to the king. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. There is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. I don't want to spoil things for you because I want you to come back next week, but the spoiler is this. Daniel is going to interpret the king's dream. The king's not going to have to tell him the dream in order for that to happen. He's going to interpret the king's dream. And so this statement that these men made would prove to be false, would prove to be false soon enough. Because God is going to empower Daniel, God is going to enable Daniel to do something that no one else was able to do. And I think we have to understand today as men who follow Christ, if you know Christ as Savior, if the Spirit of God lives within you, you and I can do what others who do not know Christ cannot do through the strength that God gives. Some people are like, well, what are you talking about? You're talking about... Are you talking about like miracles? Are you talking about, listen, the very fact that you and I as sinful men who have been redeemed have authority and power to resist sin is something that the world and those that know Christ cannot say. 
The very fact that you and I can say that we can call out to God in community with God and have relationship with God because of Christ. The fact that you and I can say we are made right in the sight of an almighty God through Christ is something that the world, independent of relationship with Christ, cannot say. The fact that you and I as men can say as we walk in this life and face whatever it is we face, that we do not face it alone because God is with us, is something that those in the world that do not have relationship with Christ, they cannot say that. You and I as men of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been, we have been empowered, we have strength to do what others who do not know God cannot do. And yet... Even though we would say tonight, amen, if I said, hey, men, do you believe that tonight? And everybody's like, amen, we have strength to do what others that don't know Christ cannot do. We act and live like we are so weak in the world in which we find ourselves living. We look around and we see all that's going on and think, man, there is so much chaos. And there's so much sin and there's so much opposition. How can the believer in Christ even begin to think he can stand? And yet, might it echo in our minds, if God be for us, who can stand against us? Greater is the one that is in you than he that is in the world. And we would say, we believe that, we, we follow that, we know that to be true. And yet, in our actions, don't we live as though we're just utterly defeated? Sin comes into our lives, or we embrace sin, and we're utterly destroyed and defeated. Woe is me, I have failed. Of course you fail. Of course I fail. He doesn't though. His mercies are new every morning. So if you fail today, repent and follow him tomorrow because his mercies are new. And yet we walk through life so often as followers of Christ defeated. We walk through life and we look at the culture. And listen, man, look at the culture in which we live. Look at the culture in which we live. It is not loving or kind for the believer in Christ to just be tolerant of all of the viewpoints that are being embraced in our culture. That's not loving or Christ-like. It's not loving or Christ-like to try to hold up and pat on the back those that are blatantly disregarding the standard of God's word, whether they're believers or unbelievers. That's not Christ-like and that's not our calling. And yet so often as men who know the truth and have the truth and have the spirit of God in us, who have strength in us that the world does not have, we live just as though we're defeated, down and out, defeated. There's nothing we can do. I just need to be keep quiet, sit in my house, and don't, tell, don't do anything. Show me that in God's word. It's not there. It's not there. And I think until we embrace this reality that as men who follow Christ, we can do what others cannot do through the strength that God gives, until we understand that, embrace that, believe that, and act on that, We'll keep seeing what's being produced, being produced by the church, universal, in the country in which we live and in the world in which we live. There's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands. Wrong. That's wrong. It should be, there's not a man on earth independent of the help of Almighty God who can meet the king's demands. Because a man of God, through the power that God would give, would do just that. That's next week, though. Can I just challenge you tonight? Don't miss this. Let me challenge you with this tonight. Men, stop minimizing the power of the presence of God in our lives. We need to stop 
minimizing the power of the presence of God in our lives. I immediately think of Mark chapter 5, where Jesus is going over to the other side of the sea. He's met when he steps on shore by a man who is possessed by a legion of demons. Mark chapter 5, if you've not read that passage, read it. It will just... It will just floor you about the power of Jesus. But there's a man who's possessed by this legion of demons. No one can stop the guy. People are terrified of him. It said that they would try to control him and bind him with chains, and he would just break the chains apart. No one can stop this guy. Jesus steps on shore. This man with his legion of demons comes running to meet Jesus, falls flat on his face before Jesus, and begs Jesus not to destroy them. That's the power of Jesus Christ. Even the demons tremble. Because of the power of Christ. And yet, so often we minimize the power of the presence of God in our lives. Don't we? We're guilty. Guilty of minimizing the power of the presence of God in our lives. In verse 11, they said to the king, the thing that the king asks is difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. I, I don't want us to miss something that I think is so valuable because I think we can miss this. Do you know how ridiculous it is in the minds of past generations, generation after generation after generation after generation of individuals, and even in the current culture in which you find ourselves living, to consider that the presence of the Spirit of Almighty God abides in us? You know what they said here? It can only be shown through the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Think of this. Generation after generation after generation after generation could never have imagined that our God, first of all, would take upon himself flesh. Let alone our God would dwell with us, live within us. To empower us. And yet here we sit. So often we are guilty. Of completely missing and ignoring that truth. We minimize. The presence. Of the power of God in our lives. Let me make a statement that I think is important. In following that. What is impossible with man. And from man's perspective. Is no problem for our God. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? What is impossible with man and from man's perspective is absolutely no problem for our God. I absolutely love that. I think that's so, if, if you could just take that, let that ring true in your mind and heart this week, what's impossible for man is not a problem for my God. There's encouragement in that, there's joy in that, there's comfort in that, there's peace in that, there's confidence in that. There's nothing impossible for our God. What's impossible for man is not impossible for our God. So we see from the perspective of these magicians, astrologers, and, and really I think even of the king, that this is something that man, independent of some kind of supernatural help, was not going to be able to do. But how valuable and important for you and I to understand that as men who follow Christ, we can do what others cannot do through the strength that God gives. So knowing that, men, be ready. Be ready. Be ready because you have strength to do through Christ what others cannot do. And those opportunities are going to come. 
Number two, as men who follow Christ, we're called to do what others cannot do through the strength that God gives. <clears throat> Think of this for a minute. You and I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, have a different calling on our lives than those that don't know Christ. You and I are called to do what others cannot do. Not only, and it's a good thing that we're empowered to do that because we're also called to do that. Don't you love the fact that God doesn't call us to do something he doesn't equip us to do? Don't you love the fact that God doesn't command us to do something that he doesn't give us the tools that we need to accomplish it? You know, it's the most frustrating thing, isn't it, if you're working a job and your boss or someone asks you to do something and they don't give you the tools you need to make it happen? Isn't that frustrating? It's frustrating if someone asks you to do something and you're like, how am I supposed to do that? Don't know, figure it out. That's frustrating. You realize that's never the case with God. Think of all that God asks us to do. All that he asks us to do, all that he commands us to do in his word, and understand that he fully empowers us, gifts us, and enables us to do that. Because of that, as men who follow Christ, we are called to do what others cannot do through the strength that God gives. And, and just let me stop for a second and tell you something. Like, If you look at the culture in which we're living in, and we could list so many things culturally that are op opposing God. I think it's, it's a wake-up call for the believer in Christ, for the church to understand something. Culturally, the embracing of sin, the acceptance of sin, the promotion of sin, and the promotion of an anti-God rhetoric agenda is not something that the world is going to seek to change. We understand that? That the unbeliever in Jesus Christ, who doesn't believe in him, will continue to act and respond as an unbeliever would act and respond. The one who needs to stand out to make a difference is the believer in Jesus Christ. Because if the believer in Jesus Christ isn't, no one is. Who's going to stand upon the principles of God's word if not the believer in Christ? Who's going to vocalize the principles of God's word in the face of sin and opposition if it's not the believer in Jesus Christ? Who is going to proclaim Christ if not the believer in Jesus Christ? No one. No one. And yet God's empowered us to do that, has he not? He's called us to do that. We need to be ready. We need to be ready as men who follow Christ because we are called to do what others cannot do. Verse 10, he says, No great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. No great and powerful king has ever asked such a thing. Like, king, you're asking us to do something that no king has ever asked before. No one can do this, and you're ridiculous for even asking us this. Listen, here, here's what we can't miss on this. The king had nothing to offer for this to be able to happen. He couldn't offer them any special power, any special ability to be able to do the impossible. But do you understand that God empowers us to do the impossible through the strength that he gives? That's our king. That's what he offers to us. They're telling this king, no one's ever, this is ridiculous, no one's ever asked this of you. Listen, God has asked us to do something, but our answer to God never is excusable to say no, because you haven't empowered me to be able to do it. He has. He has. He's not left us fatherless. He's not left us empty. He's not left us alone. He is with us, in us, and works through us. Verses 14 and 15, Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. 
And he asks the question, why is the decree of the king so urgent? Ariach made known the matter to Daniel. Daniel wants information. He wants to find out what's going on. Why is everybody about to be completely destroyed? Why is everybody about to be annihilated? Here's what Daniel could have done. Daniel heard this decree, and it was being spread throughout the land that everybody's going to die. Okay? Daniel, what he could have done when he heard that is tried to run, tried to hide, tried to find a way to save himself and others that maybe he came from, like, let's get out of here. You know what Daniel did? Daniel wanted answers. Daniel wanted to address the issue. Daniel didn't want to run and hide. Daniel didn't want to just try to go under the radar. You know what Daniel did? He grabbed this guy that's presenting this. He's like, hey, listen, what's the big deal? What's the problem with the king? Tell me what's going on. Daniel was ready when the opportunity arose to make a difference when everybody else was running for their lives. What's the big deal? What's going on here? And the matter was made known to Daniel. Can I just make a statement I think is important tonight? Sometimes as men who follow Christ, it is absolutely necessary that we take charge and act when no one else is willing to. Sometimes as men who follow Christ, it is absolutely necessary that we take charge and act when no one else is willing to. And listen, men, can I just tell you something tonight? Now is that time in the current culture in which we find ourselves living. Now is that time. It's time for the believer in Jesus Christ, for men who follow Christ, to take charge and act when no one else is willing to take charge and act in a way that will glorify our great God. It's time. It's far past time for the believer in Jesus Christ to cower in fear in the face of persecution, opposition, in, in, in a destroying and destructive culture. It's far past time for that. It's time for the men of God who follow Jesus Christ to act and lead and take charge when no one else is willing to. It's absolutely time for that. You say, what does that look like? How can we do that? Can it begin can it just begin, first of all, in our personal resolve to be unwavering in our commitment to follow and make Jesus Christ known? Because if you're doing that, that's going to be noticed. If you and I as men will begin by resolving to take seriously our personal walk and following of Jesus Christ in making Jesus Christ known, if we will begin there, the dominoes will start to fall of opportunities that will arise to give glory and make much of the name of Jesus Christ in a collapsing culture that we found ourselves living in. Let me ask you as men tonight, I want to ask a very kind of personal, serious question that's very introspective. And again, please take this, this sharing and teaching, this is, this is first of all something that, that I'm extremely challenged with personally because I'm not doing all this right. So when I'm sharing this and I'm passionate, I am more passionate about it to myself and the conviction of the Spirit of God for me personally of where I have failed, even than I am for you, okay? Because this is something personally that I have to, I have struggled like you wouldn't believe in the culture we find ourselves living in of what does God want me to do right now to address what's going on in our culture in which we find ourselves living in. And right now I am seeking to be informed as best as I can so that I am able to, I am able to in an informed way present the gospel of Jesus Christ, glorify Jesus Christ in the face of a culture that is collapsing around us. 
But let me ask you, men, when was the last time as a man of God, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that you took charge and acted when no one else was willing to for the glory of God? When was the last time? When was the last time that you found yourself in a situation where no one was willing to speak up and say a word? But you did. When was the last time that just it was as though someone put a softball on a tee and you could just walk up and hammer that out of the park of an opportunity to speak of the name of Jesus Christ and the gospel? And you didn't. When was the last time you did? When was the last time when asked by friends, family, people you care about, coworkers, when asked about the hope that is within you, that you actually spoke up and shared about that hope that is within you? When was the last time? When was the last time that in the face of complete opposition to God, as men of God, you took charge and stood up and spoke truth? caring less about what would happen to you and more about giving glory to Christ. When was the last time? Sometimes as men who follow Christ, it is absolutely necessary we take charge and act when no one else is willing to. I believe we find ourselves living in those exact times where no one else is willing, no one else is acting. Let that not be the case for you and I as men who follow Christ. Daniel would hear that there was something going on, and it wasn't enough for Daniel to run and hide. Daniel would approach it head on. He would ask, tell me what's going on. And the matter would be made known to Daniel. As men who follow Christ, we're called to do what others cannot do through the strength that God gives. Be ready. Be ready. It's not a matter of if the opportunities come. They will, and they're here. Are we ready? Are we ready to act? Because that's what God's called us to do. Number three, as men who follow Christ, we must be willing to act in faith for the glory of God, no matter the cost. Look at that with me. As men who follow Christ, we must be willing to act in faith for the glory of God, no matter the cost. I mean, this is happening all around our world. This is nothing new for people, believers in other countries. It's nothing new for believers in other countries to face death. Because they follow Christ. That's not new. Believers in India. Believers in Iraq. Believers in Afghanistan. Believers in China. Believers around the world that are under constant threat of persecution, imprisonment, death. Because they're a follower of Jesus Christ. And you know what the attitude of these believers are when they're talked to and prayed for and asked how they can pray? They ask for prayers for boldness to continue to preach Christ. Not deliverance. Not health. Not safety, not protection. We went to China, I've shared this before in, in a sermon, but we went to China and we're talking to the Chinese church planners, men that were persecuted for their faith. We would interview them, men and women that were being interviewed, and we sat down, we just wanted to hear their story. And we had several of these stories that we sat down and we were interviewing, and we asked them at the end of everybody's story, everything they shared. And this last training that we did, which was two years ago, uh, they had told us that every person that was there at least once had been in prison because of their testimony for Christ, many of them multiple times, many of them severely persecuted, and all of them under the threat of severe persecution. And so we met with them, we heard their stories and the persecution stories, and it's just heart-wrenching when you hear about these stories from these believers. And they're sitting across from you, and we were working through an interpreter, 
And every single person that we talk to at the conclusion of our, our talking with them, we, Butch and I ask the same question. Hey, we have a, a, a body of believers that we regularly give prayer requests to to pray for believers around the world, and we pray for you. And they were all so encouraged to hear that, by the way, that, that we pray for the persecuted church. But we asked them, without fail, every one of them, how can we pray for you? Every person that we met with, we asked that question. And 100% of the time, without exception, these individuals asked for prayers, for boldness to proclaim Christ, to be faithful, to be faithful and for boldness to proclaim Christ, that they would lead well. Not a single person that we talked to, the most persecuted of the persecuted as believers that we talked to and that we asked, how can we pray for you? You who are severely persecuted, you who are under constant threat of imprisonment, beatings, death, you who have lost all and given up all in your following of Christ that this world has to offer, how can we pray for you? Not a single person said deliverance, health, safety, not a single person. Boldness to preach Christ. Boldness to proclaim Jesus. Doesn't that sound like the Apostle Paul? To live as Christ, to die as gain? Doesn't that sound like the Apostle Paul of when he was going to go before Caesar and said, listen, I'm, I'm prepared and presenting to give my entire life. If need be, I will give up my life that I might make Christ known. What about us as men who follow Christ? We must be willing to act in faith for the glory of God no matter the cost. Are we willing? Are we ready for that? Verse 16 says, Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show them the interpretation of the, or show the interpretation to the king. <coughs> Excuse me. Listen, this, I read this and it puts a smile on my face and I'm like, Daniel was a bad man. Like think about what Daniel just did here. Okay, think of what the, Daniel just did. <laughs> Don't miss this. It's so easy to miss what Daniel just did. Okay, um, and this tells us a lot, everything we need to know about Daniel. Let me recap what's going on here, right? Because I know it's easy to forget. King puts out an impossible decree. He has an impossible ask. Get all the astrologers, magicians, everybody here. Bring them all in. Bring all the wise men in, all the people who interpret dreams, all of the best of the best. Bring them in here. Guys, listen, everybody, I don't know, maybe in the room, this might have been more than this. Okay, they're standing before the king. Here's what I need. I need someone in here to interpret my dream for me because I got a problem. I need interpretation of my dream. Somebody's, listen, king, no problem. Tell us what the dream is. We'll all tell you what the interpretation of it is. Nope, I want you to tell me what the dream is first and tell me what it means. And by the way, if you can't do that, you're going to be ripped, all of you, limb from limb, destroyed death for everybody here. King, that's impossible. No man could possibly do that. Beyond that, no king, great and mighty, has ever asked for such a ridiculous request because it's ridiculous. No man can do that. Only the gods can do that, and they don't dwell with men. And the king's like, that's it. Everybody's dying, okay, because he's mad. Daniel and his friends are kind of chilling out. They get wind. Daniel hears, what? Everybody's going to die? The king's mad? We're all going to die? Why? What's going on? Well, Daniel hears what's going on. The king had a dream. He needs someone to interpret it for him, but he's not willing to tell anybody what the dream is, so you're all going to die. You know what Daniel says? Yeah, ask the king for a time that I can meet with him because I'll show him the interpretation of the dream. Do you realize how crazy that is? That's insane. 
That's absolutely ridiculous. Who does that? Daniel did. How in the world could Daniel do that? Because he believed his God was bigger than a wicked king. Do you men tonight believe that our God is bigger than a wicked, collapsing culture that we find ourselves living in today? Do you believe tonight that the God whom we serve is far greater, far greater than the enemy that seeks to kill and destroy? Do you believe the one that is in you is greater than the one that is in the world? Because if you and I truly believe that, we can't hide that. What a shame to hide that. I, I just am overwhelmed with the thought of Daniel's response. Everybody else is trying to flee the king. <laughs> Daniel's like, let me stand before the king. And I'll tell him the interpretation of the dream. That's incredible. How in the world could Daniel stand firm in the midst of a collapsing culture? He stood firm in the midst of a collapsing culture because his foundation was not the culture that was changing. It was his God who was unchanging. And might that also be the foundation on which we stand? Because if that's the case, we will always be ready. We will always be ready for what may come because our strength is not in ourselves but in our God. Set me a time with the king. Set me a time with the king that I might show the king the interpretation. No problem. That's incredible. Sometimes, men, it is necessary to act in faith even when we don't have all the answers we would like to have. Sometimes it is absolutely necessary to act in faith even when we don't have all the answers that we'd like to have. But as men who follow Christ, we must be preparing now to respond to opportunities to act in faith. We trust in the Lord's power and presence and not in ourselves. We can be guilty sometimes of placing so much dependence on ourselves instead of on the Lord. That's not where our faith lies. If our faith lies in ourselves, we have every reason to go run and hide. Because that's what they did. King, nobody can do this. The gods don't dwell with us. This is something only a god could do. Well, they were right. It was something only God could do. But he would do it through Daniel. Absolutely incredible. As men who follow Christ... We must be willing to act in faith for the glory of God no matter the cost. Men, be ready. Be ready to act in faith when the opportunity comes. And the opportunities are here. The opportunities are here. Let me recap things as we wrap up today. First of all, be ready. Be ready to do what others are incapable of doing because you've been empowered to do it. 
Be ready to do what others are incapable of doing because you have been empowered to do it. Be ready to lead and act when no one else will because we're there. We're there. And be ready to step out in faith even when the answers aren't all there. Be ready to step out in faith even when the answers aren't all there. God's called us as his children, as men of God who follow and know Christ to be separate from this world that we find ourselves living in, to be the proclaimers of truth, to be his ambassadors, to speak up of Christ and proclaim Christ crucified, risen, coming again. I wonder, are you set tonight for the defense of the gospel, no matter what may come? Are you ready, prepared, looking, eager, to serve the Lord when opportunity arises, no matter the cost, we need to be just that. That's how we stand firm. That's how we stand firm in the midst of a collapsing culture. Now, I don't want to spoil next week, so I'm not going to get into any detail about it. But in verse 17, after Daniel says, don't worry, I'll interpret the dream. Let me just <laughs> give you a little preview. Verse 17, then Daniel went to his house, made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Let me just tell you, Daniel, in the face of this opposition, in great confidence and great faith in his God, that his God was able to do this, in the face of that, stood firm with confidence and resolve to say, let me stand before the king. I will interpret the king's dream. And as soon as that was done, he went back to his friends that followed God. He was like, hey guys, listen, we need to pray that God shows me what to say. Because I got nothing if he doesn't. Okay, so I don't want us to miss this. There's great confidence in Daniel, but Daniel was just a man, men, okay? Daniel was a man like unto you and I. He knew in and of himself he had nothing to offer. He's outnumbered. He's outgunned physically. He has no nothing to stand on to remove himself from the king's decree. If everybody's getting wiped out, he is too. He got nothing to offer. But he knew his God did. And so as soon as he made that statement, he was like, fellas, we got to pray. All right, because I don't have Listen, isn't that a great response that you and I should have as well as believers in Christ? That when God presents an opportunity, when no one else is willing to stand and act and speak up, when no one else is willing to give God glory and glorify Christ in word and action, we must stand up and glorify him. And you know what? It doesn't always mean that we're going to have everything figured out when we make that commitment to do that. But it means as we jump in faith, following the command of God on our lives, we are trusting he's the one that has to and will catch us. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. But through him, we can do all things. Amen? And so even this week and the week to come, before we meet next week, let me just stir within you this reminder. Be ready, be ready, be ready, be ready. And when the opportunity comes, act. For the glory of God and through the strength that God gives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Daniel. God, I am just always absolutely stunned, amazed. Even as those back in Daniel's day would have been absolutely stunned and amazed, even as generation after generation after generation would have been stunned and amazed 
to consider the reality that our God is within us. The Spirit of God Almighty abides in us. It's amazing. It's amazing, God, to consider you have empowered us through your Spirit to do what others cannot do. Sin is no longer our master. Death is no longer our final destiny. Defeat, chaos, worry, despair, sickness, all has a point of end. There is victory in Jesus Christ. And that victory is ours in Christ. God, we have no words to express how thankful and grateful we are. But Lord, I ask that tonight you would stir within each one of us as men here tonight a readiness, a readiness and boldness to serve you no matter what it may cost us. That we would have the eyes and heart and attitude and mind of the Apostle Paul to live as Christ, to die as gain. That we would be set for the defense of the gospel, that we would be set, Lord, to act as men who follow Christ in a world that is lost in a culture that is collapsing all around us. Might we be found to stand firm, immovable, unwavering, unshakable in you. Man, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed just for a minute, if you're here tonight as a believer and you say, hey, listen, if I'm honest tonight, everything that you're describing about Daniel and everything you're describing that we are called to as men who say we follow Christ, the boldness, the commitment, the action, the readiness, the resolve, it's not present in my life. It hasn't been present in my life, but God's really convicted me tonight that I need to be ready. I need to be resolved in following Christ, and I need to be willing when that opportunity comes to speak up, to stand up, to act in a way that glorifies God. And maybe you've struggled with that to this point, but you want me to pray for you tonight that that, that would change, that through the power that God gives, that changes. Put your hand up for you. I want to pray. Yeah, okay, I see those. Yep. Yeah, a lot of you. That's That's... Obviously, where I, I, you know, I'm right with you. <laughs> I see all, yeah, you can put them down. Lord, uh, you know our hearts. There's nothing hidden from your sight. Uh, God, we can't hide anything from you. Um, you are fully aware of all that is in our heart and our mind tonight. I pray for each of these men that, that put their hands up tonight, Lord. I pray for all of us in this room that you would, Lord, please, uh, Lord, empower us, enable us. Give us eyes to see, readiness to see the opportunities before us to to present Christ, to speak of Christ, to stand for Christ, to be bold in Christ in a collapsing culture. Lord, I pray that we would have such a sensitivity to the leading of the Spirit of God in our lives and such a heart and desire for your word and to be filled with your word and your spirit that our faithfulness and our, our dependence and our resolve would be seen to all that they might ask a reason for the hope that's within us. Lord, please give us victory. Give us victory over sin. Give us victory over our own thoughts and doubts and fears. Give us victory, Lord, over the enemy. And, and Lord, help us as men who follow Christ with great readiness to serve you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time together tonight. In Christ's name, amen.